welcome to Double Burst, a podcast about Dice Masters. We are a group of Utah players that want to bring you the latest Dice Masters news, strategies, tips, and more. Whether you're a new or seasoned player, we hope this show has something for you. I'm KT Data, one of your hosts, and welcome to episode 54. In this episode, we have a full segment of rules updates because there's that many. We talk about our hidden gem, Black Canary, Sonic Cry, and we wrap it up with a discussion of our draft WKO that we went to. So let's kick it off with Dr. J and a rules forum update. Hey, everybody. I am here with Dr. J, and we are starting the segment or the show off with a rules forum update. Finally, was it like your birthday recently or something? And Yeah, like a month ago or something. <laughs> yeah. So in honor of your birthday, WizKids <laughs> had a week of rules updates. So instead of having our normal mini segment of rules updates, we're just going to have a full-on segment with a whole bunch of these. Yeah, so. they didn't even just drop them like all at once. It was like throughout the course of yeah. the day. So it's like, oh, I'm going to log back on and see if there's something more five hours later. And there might be. Yeah. It's pretty good. So it was a week-long celebration for your belated birthday. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll kick it off with the one that I think everybody was waiting for or wanting to see because Ultraman is probably going to be pretty big at Nationals and Worlds this year. Yep. So there's a couple other questions. Um, and so this first one, they labeled this. And if you guys have, don't know where the rules forum is, it's win.wizkids.com forward slash BB, B as in boy. Um, and you head over there. There's a Dice Master section that you can check it out. And that's where we got all of these from. So yep. for Ultraman, it, uh, the question was, what happens if there is a basic action that I can't use, like pizza and Oracle Internet interference, um, when I use Ultraman Kryptonite power ability? So... For you guys who aren't familiar, Ultraman, essentially, once you use a kryptonite dice um, or die, it triggers all four basic actions, and Oracle makes you pay one energy each time you use a action dice. Um, And Pizza says, gain one life. You may not use this basic action die if you have 15 or more life. Um, So I actually liked how they broke this down because... Yeah, they did a good job on this one. I think a lot of people kind of vision that all in one giant step. But they're like, okay, there's actually two steps in this when you play a kryptonite action. Yeah. Um, so the first one is whoever has the Ultraman is going to play the kryptonite has to pay that one extra energy to activate the kryptonite because it doesn't trigger. Yeah, it's not else. all yeah. all at once. Um, and then um, player B tries to use as many of their basic actions as possible. Um, and then this is where they check each of the card to see if you can actually use it during the game state. So pizza, if say they had more than life, um, more than 15 life, they couldn't use it at that point. Um, so you can't use that or Kona cold where it says you have to have three separate characters to activate right, it. Yeah. If you don't have three separate characters, you don't actually, um, use that, but you're still using Ultraman's ability. And then it says next, after you've checked to see if those basic actions are valid, it says, Player B, the guy who has Ultraman, must pay for each of the basic actions they're able to use. And most times it's four, but say you have a pizza or a cone of cold and you can't use it then, it's three or whatever the math works out to be, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I really do like, like you said, the way they broke this down. And, and it is important to, to remember that there's two steps to this. The first is you play the kryptonite. If Oracle's active, they're going to have to pay the one energy no matter what. And then you resolve the kryptonite And then you resolve first. the kryptonite fully. If they target Oracle, then you don't have to pay for the other four actions that come afterwards. If they don't target Oracle, maybe they can't or whatever, then they have to pay for each of the basic actions that they can use. So if they can't use pizza, if they can't use Cone of Cold, they don't have to pay for those. The one thing I would have liked to see this ruling address is how continuous action dice so work. that's where I think this... So they all added another reply post to it. And they link to the yeah. Joker ruling, Yeah, right? where it ring, links to the Joker ruling and it says you can't copy continuous action dice. So it seems like what they're trying to say is if you have a hypervelocity or another continuous action dice... You essentially... One, yeah, it's you, like pizza. You yeah. can't use it. You don't pay for it. Uh, that ruling, if you look at it, is just talking about delayed blast fireball, but that was, I think, one of the first continuous, continuous basic yeah. action. It was the first continuous basic action die in the game. And so I think that's what they're aiming at is all continuous action dice. You just don't get a copy of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I feel like they're kind of going back to that do as much as you can type scenario yeah. with some caveats. Yeah, the confusion that was in the original post about Ultraman, they said it was an all or nothing deal. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like it was all at once. And that was kind of... Um, Probably a, a miss, but uh, oh, they kind of misspoke a little bit on that one. They, you do have to pay for all the ones that you can use yeah. up front. Yeah, you're just paying at 
different segments, like one for the one for the kryptonite, and then the rest are yes. the, the second yeah, or third ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, it was good. I, I yeah. really like that that ruling. Yeah, and then the next one, I I thought this was kind of funny because. You know, we play with Russ a lot, and he lo- loves using his scarecrow all the time. Yeah. And I think this has come up a couple times as a joke, where we're like, well, what happens if you take control of a character that triggers at the same time as the control? Do you, Does the person who has the character now, or who used the scarecrow, get it? Or does the original player get it? Right. Um, so they answered it. So their situation was, what happens if they use force beam, and it KOs my scarecrow, also damaging my opponent's babs, which does, you know, you can control the, what, how four damage that she does to people, yep. um, and then you use Scarecrow to steal her. Does the person who activated Scarecrow and stole Babs use it, or the, does the original owner st- um, get to use the ability? Um, yeah, so they, they basically said if it was triggered at the same time Scarecrow went off and the person takes it, the person who had Babs originally when that effect was triggered is going to get to use it. So in this situation, the person who takes Babs doesn't get to use Bab's ability that one time. Instead, the player who owned it previously gets to use it against you. Now, if Scarecrow takes control of Bab's and then the controller pings Bab's themselves, then they get to use Bab's yeah. ability. So just remember, it has to if it happens at the same time that Scarecrow KOs and there's a timing conflict, it's going to go to the player who owned it at the time that that effect was triggered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why I like this question, even though it was mostly in jest when we were doing it. But I'm like, yeah, this actually makes sense for a ruling, yeah, so you it, can it really does. understand. All right, so they posted a lot of questions or answers, rulings about swarms. So we kind of bunched them all together. And I think the impetus of what triggered a lot of these swarm questions was the brand new super rare Dark, Dark Side. Dark Side, yeah. <laughs> so um, if you guys aren't familiar with this, he's in the new Batman set, and his ability is while Dark Side is active, your sidekicks gain swarm. So the question is, are non-active ally die considered sidekicks because they're an ally, so they're considered sidekicks on the field? Um, or are only sidekick dice, so the white dice, um, classified as sidekicks in relation to the text or right. the particular card? Um, and I like this because it kind of they, they went back and said, okay, so what you want to do is go back, if you, especially if you haven't played D&D, check how we wrote Swarm. So right. the way Swarm works is it's checking for the die that you drew if it matches in the field zone. So say you have the white sidekick die in the, in, in the field and it has swarm. If you're pulling the white sidekick die, it's going to trigger. Yep. Same thing for something with allies. So if Alfred, which is an ally, is on the field, you pull an Alfred die, then that swarm triggers. But if you pull a white sidekick die, it doesn't trigger for that Alfred. Yeah, exactly. Also, um, just kind of an old reminder, allies are not sidekicks until they're in the field. So while... Alfred may be considered a sidekick when it's in the field. If there's not one in the field and you pull one, you know, there's no swarm there. So just remember the die has to match one in the field. So like KT said, sidekick matches with the sidekick dice, whatever the allies name is, you look at the card and say, does this card, the name of this die match another die that I drew? If so, then you get the swarm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like a cobalt's not going to trigger an Alfred die that you pulled. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, and then the other ones, there's another one that people check that are asking, so if you have multiples of the same swarm character on the field, do you only swarm once or do you swarm for X amount of times? Their example was, say they have three multiple men and you pull another multiple men. Do you pull three die or do you pull just one? Yeah, uh, it's just one yeah. for every die that yeah. you pull out. That's, that's yeah, it. Yeah, all they're doing is they're doing a binary check. Yep. Is that character on the field, is, so is multiple man with swarm on the field, yes or no? If yes, you pull one extra die. Yeah, if it helps, you can look at swarm as a while active effect, and while active effects only trigger once per die. And so that's what swarm is. It's a while active effect. That die has to be active in the field for it to trigger, and then it's only once per die. Mm-hmm. And then so our last swarm one that we have, and I know this is always, this, this, this rule seems to always confuse a lot of new players, because in the rule book it says at the, your clear and draw step, you draw four die. Yep. If you can't draw the four die, you take however many damage. So if you're short one, you take one damage, and then you get a generic energy on that turn, right? Yep. Um, what also happens at that time is swarm, and a lot of people get confused. So they they always ask, so do I if I can't swarm at that time, do I take one damage and get a generic energy and stuff? Um, so the way they ruled it is, as long as you draw that initial four die, 
um, say, and then if you trigger swarm from that initial four, you don't take the damage after that because you've completed the condition of drawing four die at the beginning of your turn. Yeah, this is a, a great example of where just carefully looking at the rule book will give you the answer that you need. Because the rule book, I, I don't think the wording has changed since the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you draw less than four dice on your initial clear and draw step, then you're going to take bag burn, I think is what we call it. If you do draw four dice, period, if you draw more than four dice, whatever, you don't take bag burn. If you have to draw outside of the clear and draw step or beyond the four dice during the clear and draw step and you can't, you don't take any bag burn. It's just in that initial four if mm -hmm. you draw less than four and you can't reload your bag and draw more. Yep, so that's kind of our swarm recap. I know, like, I was talking to you about it. It's like, it actually kind of makes sense they're asking some of these questions because some new players may have never played Dungeon, the Dungeon Dragon sets, which have the majority of the swarm characters. It was one of the most confusing abilities yeah. when I started the game, and really it was only in D&D, &D and mm -hmm. everyone had that question. How does swarm work? Does something have to be in the field? And we really needed a whiz kids basically rules form to yeah. clarify it back then, and yeah. it's just nice to have a reminder. Yeah, it's a, it's a good reminder, especially now that it's becoming more prevalent in other sets. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, and we're still going on. There's still more rulings. There's a lot, there's a lot more rulings. <laughs> I feel like a late-night infomercial, and there's more. <laughs> um, Stay in your seats, everybody, because there's more. All right, so our next one is about the new Rip Hunter common. And the used pile. So the new Rip Hunter common says, while Rip, Rip Hunter is active, once during your clear and draw step, you when you draw a die from your bag, or dice from your bag, you may send any number of them to the used pile and draw one new one for each dice. Okay, so that's pretty straightforward. But then there was, in the rules update on 922 in 2014, there was one of the questions that say, any dice from your field or reserve pool are in transit to the use pile instead of your, um, in, until the end of your turn. Right. So the question was, do those four die that you move into the use pile, are they in transit? Um, and then the, the way they answered is, um, Rip's die goes to the use pile because they never enter the reserve pool. So that's... That's one thing that I think is a good clarification is when you draw those four dice, they're not in the reserve pool yet until you roll them, and then they're, they're moved to the reserve pool, right? Is yeah, actually, the, the rule book says when you draw them, you actually draw them to the prep area, and then you roll them into the reserve pool. So technically, they never do hit the reserve pool when you use Rip Hunter's ability. They go straight from your bag to the prep area, maybe, and then to the then to the used pile. Yeah, which I think it does align it because this ability is similar to Red Tornado and Justice League, and that's what he does, too, is send it straight to the used pile. So there's yeah. a little bit of consistency in between the two. Yeah, this does bring up a question for me, though. Uh, it says um, any dice from your field or reserve pool are in transit to the used pile. In the rule book, it says if you don't field a character, you put it in the used pile. So I'd imagine... But he's mean, still in your reserve pool. It goes from the reserve pool yeah. out of play. Um... Because at the end of your at the end of your main step, you have to put unfielded characters into the use yeah. pile. It says, I'd, "I would say by this yeah. ruling, they go out of play." Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd I'd have to double check the wording because I can't remember if they use the word directly or not in the rule book. Right. And if it says directly, I'd say it kind of bypasses the. Yeah, transition. I've had many yeah. situations though where I could have abused that <laughs> if it goes to the used pile yeah. rather than. <laughs> The prep area, so yes. that's something I'm, I'm going to need to look so, up yeah, and you'll learn. Have to double check. All right. <laughs> and so we got some more rulings, and this one's about targeting, which this has always been a question because we've always asked about it. So this is in terms of Cassie Sandmark from War of Light, and her ability is while Wonder Girl is active, when a Teen Titan character die is targeted, which Cassie Sandmark, uh, Wonder Girl is, you may choose an opponent's character die as a new target for that effect. Um, and then the other one, and so th this is asking for two different characters, but we've always asked what happens when you do Wonder Girl versus Wonder Girl. Yeah. Um, but this other one is Batgirl. It says, while Batgirl is active, your opponent may not target your character dice with character abilities. The question is, is if I have Cassie in my field and no other characters and my opponent has Batgirls in theirs, may I redirect an action effect or global that originally targeted Cassie to my opponent? So they actually broke this down into three different things. So yeah. they're like, there are three important things we'd like to address as they relate to targeting, redirecting, and Cassie Sandmark in particular. The first one, number one, you can't target things that can't be targeted even on the re redirect. So no, Cassie cannot target Kamish's daughter. Um, and then number two is you can't redirect things to players from dice that couldn't have targeted players to begin with. For example, you can't redirect Magic Missiles Global which is deal one damage to the character, right? Um, to a player. So um, 
in some cases it doesn't make sense like giving a player a blocking character over crush or like a player over crush. Oh, yeah, a player over crush. Yeah. <laughs> I will beat you down. Just reach over the table. <laughs> That'd be amusing to see if that was an in-game mechanic. <laughs> over <Overcrushed. laughs> And the last one is Cassie Sandmark dictates that a target must be new. It can't be a player character die that has previously been targeted by that effect. For example, Power Bolt would deal two damage to player A's Cassie. They redirect it to player B's Cassie. Player A's Cassie no longer is a valid target for Baylor B redirect, which that was always the question is if you did it, could you create an infinite loop of just redirecting it back to the other Cassie? Yeah, that solves the problem. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and our last one, or yeah, our, is this our last one? Yep. I think it's our last one. So this one is to a Warlight basic action card. Um and this was written prior to crossover characters and the ally keyword actually yeah, being a mechanic. It's in a the pretty game. old basic action. So yeah, so people have always had this. So how does that? How does pick your battles apply to characters? So pick your battles if you haven't um, played it before. Each of your characters can only be blocked by opposing characters of the same energy type, and your sidekicks can only be blocked by sidekicks. So this is where it gets. Con- a little confusing because allies are an energy type yeah. and a sidekick. What happens if you have a sidekick yeah. with an energy type? And then what happens with your crossover characters like Hal Jordan's a mask and a bolt? So can the you know, I've seen arguments on both sides like, well, you have to block with another character as a mask and a bolt to block Hal Jordan kind of right, stuff like yeah. that. Wherever other people are like, well, it's one of the types, so it should be. Um, yeah. So. The the answer is your opponent. Uh, so the question was, my opponent can. Um, they have pick your battles, and then they have Ant May carrying Ant, which she has ally. Um, so the question was, which one of these two, um, or they they put two different statements. So and they asked which one would apply for this. For this one, they answered your opponent can block Ant May with either a shield character or a sidekick, since Ant May counts as both of these. Similarly, crossover character dice, which have multiple energy types may be blocked or be blocked by character dice that match at least one of their energies. So, for example, a bolt mask character could block a fist mask character because both of them has masks in their energy types. Yeah, this I remember this question came up like, it seemed like six or seven months ago. It really was when I think World's Finest came out and people were playing it with Alfred and they really were wondering, like, how does this work? And uh, I actually thought it worked differently than what the what the rules forum answered here. I I thought, you know, if it was Alfred, if he's a sidekick and a shield character, you have to block with a sidekick and a shield character based on the wording. But this is really good because this clears it up because, you know, I think probably about half of the community was on one side and half yep. of the community was on the other, and this is just this is how we're going to yep. play it. Yeah, so, and, and you know, I, I like it. It clears stuff up, especially for new mechanics, and I, I get why this question came up. Like we said, the basic action was created long before they decided to put two energy types on a character and stuff like that. Yeah. The great thing about these rules updates is however they come out ruled, it gives us some consistency for the game. Mm -hmm. So even if we disagree with how the, how the cards are worded or how the ruling should be played, whenever WizKids comes out with a ruling, it just adds a little bit of consistency to the game that just makes it so much easier. You don't have to worry about this particular interaction anymore. And it's just been so nice for them to just give us all these rulings in one big, you know, serving, and I really hope that they come out with some more. Yeah, and like we said, these are a select number of them. They actually put out more rulings than this, but we'd be here for like an hour just yeah, talking. Go, about go read them. A couple of them are actually really important. Uh, check out the Lady Deadpool one; she's important. Yeah. So, and if you guys again, if you guys don't know where to go, go to win.wizkids.com forward slash bb b as in boy. And you can find them all there in the Dice Master section. Dr. J, thank you so much. And, I mean, it's been a while since we've done a rule segment update. So, who knows? Maybe they'll do another week worth of ruling. We'll have to have another segment next week. I'm hoping we don't have to wait very long. (laughs) (laughs) So, we'll have you back a little bit later. And we'll talk about our our time in Vegas. Sweet. Okay, guys. We are here with Alex. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing well. You're not on the road for once. I am not on the road. <laughs> I got back on Tuesday and I leave on Thursday. So, yep. so, so I, I actually th- kind of think it's fitting because you're sort of our hidden member since you're always on the road. So we have you doing a hidden gem. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. You know, and uh, sometimes the only only way I get this game in my brain is is through listening to the podcast and talking to you guys on the Slack channel. So I really appreciate everything this podcast is. Yeah, so I'm glad. This one's actually a pretty cool hidden gem because I don't think a lot of people talk about it. And every time I play against someone who actually plays this, I forget this is a card. 
Um, so it is the common black. Is it common? I'm uh, pretty uncommon. sure it's the common. It's one of the. It's two. the rare. That's it. It's, it's the rare. It's the rare. <laughs> it is the okay. rare. Um, so, see, I told you I'd never remember this card, but it's um, the Black Canary Sonic Cry. She's a four cost fist, and she has this weird keyword ability that let's be honest nobody uses <laughs> especially dr j he kind of hates impulse for some reason yeah. but uh this this card has an impulse ability that's actually fairly usable yeah i think it might be the one of the only few that are actually usable so what it is is when you purchase this die level one character is unblockable target level one character is unblockable um and, and until end of turn so why is this a, a hidden gem so Right now, unblockable is a pretty strong ability, um, as long as your opponent doesn't have Ronin out on the field. But uh, being able to make something unblockable and then be able to pump it up or anything like that is really strong. And the nice thing about this is you can kind of do it on command whenever you need. Well, at least up to four times. Up to four <laughs> times, unless you're the KO King and you run something like Black Lantern, Aquaman. And start returning him back. <laughs> um, but you had actually a pretty sweet combo with this. Yeah, so I started running a Foot Ninja team and then the basic action Brave Sacrifice that has the global pay a shield, spin an, a sidekick character die to level one. We yeah. all know the Foot Ninja gets plus one, plus one for every other sidekick die in the and field. And he counts as an, he's an ally, so he counts as a sidekick. Exactly. So you can spin him to level one and purchase the Black Canary, and voila, you have an unblockable, really large sidekick. Yeah. Hopefully it's going to not take you all four times <laughs> to, get him yeah, yeah. to do the damage, but because that, yeah, that can be pretty, um, pretty you know, that, that's pretty damaging, and I like that the so the only reason I don't think a lot of people play it is because she's a four cost fist, which is a little expensive, right? Yeah, she's a little expensive, but I mean, let's be real, the cost to what her ability is is pretty fair. Um, you know, and, and she's a halfway decent die once she's purchased too, so she's not bad to have out. Or if you have um, like Haymaker that has the global, you know, one fist, you know, plus one attack. You can have her, you buy her with the impulse, and then you have her later to pump up your your mm -hmm. uh, foot foot ninja. Yeah, I, I like this level one, too, because it, especially if you play a lot with polymorph slash mutation and you're using mm -hmm. that global to spin a character up and spin a character down, it could be beneficial for, but for, for well, you to get like a beefier character to block and then, you, like you said, maybe use an ally or something that's already getting a boost. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or even just the polymorph die itself allows... You know, it, it puts the thing in the at field level at one, level yeah. one. So, I mean, you already like a, have a yeah. Let's. I mean, there are some pretty beefy characters that are level one, like Umber Hulk. I if I can think off the top of my head and things. <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, there's definitely things that are worth attacking with on level one, and you know, if you have any way to to pump up um, a character, it's great. So, mm -hmm. so that I mean, that's that's a great reason. So, I always like to cover both sides. Of, of the story so that i mean it's a good hidden gem but why wouldn't you want to put them on your team the the biggest thing that i run into or her with uh, black canary <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing that i run into with black canary is with my foot ninja team i have to have five energy total i have to have a shield to do the brave sacrifice and i have to have four energy to buy a black canary that's not always possible just on a whim so the four energy cost really kind of puts a hamper on it when you need to use a global to spin something down to level one. Mm -hmm. and, and so, uh, like, um, so aside from your foot ninja team, what what else would you use this black canary for? So it it just literally just popped in my mind. Um, Ko King Russ has been playing a, a team with the Jessica Jones from the Defenders pack. That every time you target a character with a ability. Um, you get plus one, plus one. Polymorph technically targets two characters. Polymorph Jessica Jones down to level one. She gets plus two, plus two for the polymorph. Then you buy this. She's now unblockable with plus two stats. 
you know, that's mm-hmm. that's something that could be used there. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at her the different rarities of her in the Green Arrow Flash set. Um, I'd probably say she's probably the one you may want to pick. You may want the blank if you're just playing cheap characters because she's a three cost. <laughs> yeah, to- yeah. If you need, you know, if you're drafting and you need that, that would be the reason <laughs> to go with <laughs> yeah. that. But I'm I'm looking at the uncommon. It has impulse also, but it's target crossover character it gets plus two and plus two attack and defense, which is going to be a yeah. lot less. It, you know, <laughs> it could be it could be good, and if you built your team around it, and you know this this card, the rare. I don't believe it's like the greatest draft card ever, but if you're building a team with the idea of having level one characters that you want unblocked, this is this is a good way to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at her fielding stats. So she's a zero zero one, and then she tops out at four four. Um, yeah, like I said, she's solid, not a solid, halfway yeah. halfway decent. Yeah, know. solid solid body, but you probably want to, you know, this this isn't a card that's for everybody, but. Um, I, I, I've been demolished by it before where I'll just forget that there's a, and even sometimes I, I think Dr. J did it once when I was playing with him, he just needed that one extra damage, Yeah, that one extra damage. So he just bought it and then made an, a sidekick unblockable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that, you know, you just brought up a point that probably goes unmissed all the time. How many times you count your math and go, I'm one short, you make a sidekick unblockable and you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so um, that is the, we double-checked, it is the rare Black Canary Sonic Cry. She's a four-cost fist, and like I said, max four die, so you would would you suggest if you want to run four? Uh, I mean, you probably have to have I, a I team think it, I think it, it depends right? on your team. Like, with my, with my Foot Ninjas team, three feels like the sweet spot. Because mm-hmm. if you're doing, if you have to attack more than three times with an unblockable Foot Ninja, you're probably doing something else wrong yeah like me never rolled sidekicks um, <laughs> <laughs> i attack you for one oh, crap. <laughs> um, all right alex thank you so much for talking to us about our um this black canary and like i said i always forget about this card yeah, until it, it bites me in the really, face <laughs> it really is a hidden gem yeah so if you guys have any questions about black canary or you have suggestions for hidden gems shoot us an email double burst at ktdata.net or leave it on our facebook page facebook.com forward slash double burst all right um thank you alex and you know we'll we'll see you a little bit later on some of the episodes perfect all right guys we are here with the crew we have the brown messiah diego dr j jared here and the ko king russ you're here we're gonna break a time-honored rule um because usually what happens in vegas stays in vegas but wrong we were in henderson yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say that um and uh, all of us we traveled down to the quote unquote las vegas wko at maximum comics to do a batman draft set and we wanted to talk to you guys about it because this is the first or one of the first wkos where it was a draft instead of bringing your own constructed team yeah, um, so, I thought that was really cool. I was excited for yeah, that. Yeah, and it was even cooler because you had the brand new set. Yeah, yeah, I was really stoked that when we found out that we weren't doing Deadpool, I was like, we're doing Batman? Yes. yes. And the great thing was it was because of like a mistake or something. Yeah. <laughs> They'd ordered Deadpool for their WKO and they just sent them Batman. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have this new yeah. one, actually. <laughs> okay, yeah. we, will, we will do I that. I guess we're drafting Batman. Yep, so, um, and how many players do we have? Fourteen. 14. Yep, 14. Mm-hmm. So that means two national qualifiers was... Um, Two invitations were handed out. Yeah, two two handed out. And spoiler alert, one of us got one. Right, Dr. J? That's right. (laughs) It was Russ. Who got it? (laughs) (laughs) So I will say this before we start talking about the event. If you're going through Vegas and you like Dice Masters and other games, I would stop at Maximum Comics. Yeah, that was an awesome 20% off all the time. Oh, yeah. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're buying, you know, 12, 15 packs, whatever, and you... You're always used to the same amount, and then they tell you, <laughs> "Buy five, get one free." Right, basically. Yeah. And then they told me the total. I was like, "Did you get them all?" Oh wait, twenty percent off. <laughs> so. uh, I also, hats off to them. They they uh, had a great um, staff there, and they yeah. had a great space. And the and the to was uh, yeah, very, the to very was pretty cool because we, awesome. we actually got there the day before, and we're like, "Hey, we have a couple questions about some of these cards that have come up, and." We're, and we asked him, like, can we ask you now? And he was, you know, he was receptive. He's like, oh, yeah, let me write down the questions. And when he, he was like, I can't answer these right now. Let me do some research, and I'll let you know the day, um, the day after during the event. Um, you know, he held up his words, and he's like, well, we don't have 
rulings for this, this, and this, but this is how we're going to play it based on this, this, and this from what I could find online. Yeah, and it was really nice because he announced those rulings before anyone drafted, mm-hmm. so they kind of so no one got shafted on the draft, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so it was really well put together. They had a really nice space to play yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I got and not let's not forget all the players that were down there. So we had a couple. We I think we had like ten or eleven people from Utah. I think we had nine. Nine, yeah. from nine, Utah. nine. Nine from Utah, and then the local Vegas players. Man, you guys are awesome. Like, you made us feel welcome. Oh, yeah. It was so much fun. Those Vegas players were way fun. I met Ray was one of the guys I played with, and he was way funny to play. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. If any of you guys ever come up to Utah, let us know, and, you know, we'll, we'll make an event for you just because you guys are up here just to hang out. That's right. Um, but so how how'd you guys feel about doing a draft for a WKO versus spending weeks upon weeks on I think I think this is actually the best way to do any sort of a competitive um, WKO sort of a thing um, because I think there's so much more involved in a draft. Yeah, there's a little. Yeah, there's a little bit of luck. There's a little bit of knowing what mm. you can get put together. So it, it it forces you to be the best player you can with right, what you've given. Exactly. Yeah, with the, with like a constructed tournament, I, and I guess it, they highlight different areas that different players are good at. Um, I wrote. An, I'm writing an article about this, and this is kind of the point that I bring up in it is when you're doing a constructed event it kind of comes down to who's the best pilot. You know, lots of times it'll be a, a pretty meta-heavy team, you know, maybe a couple card differences, but it's not about brewing so much as it's about piloting, you know, and it's very mechanical, but a draft is, there's so much more to it. You know, there's the strategy of the draft. What cards are you going to take? What cards are you going to play? A there's of, a team-building aspect to it yeah, afterwards. Yeah, a lot of on-the-fly thinking and a lot of uh, adapting to what you're seeing in the draft It's like quick well. brewing, basically, mm-hmm. and you have to come up with something really quick, and then you have to play through a series of rounds with that same team. And then on top of that, like after you're done with your first round, it's like that's the round where you figure out how your team works and it may work completely differently than what you thought when you drafted it. And you're like, now I understand my team. Now I have to play with, you know, this particular strategy. And there's just, it's, there's layers to it that, that aren't really there and constructed. Mm-hmm. I'll play devil's advocate. I like it better constructed. I, especially depending on what set you're drafting, not this so much, but if you're drafting, say, War of Light, Everybody's there's one card that, uh-huh. yeah, that, that can shift anything. Yeah, there, And the, then the other aspect I don't like is basic actions winning drafts it's just something i don't like myself. and i definitely i definitely agree with russ there on that point i like just putting betrayal in. <laughs> you mean i can't just run the front line all the time yeah so so this is actually a point that I, I bring up in the article was i wish that there was a like a, a nationals and a and a world's championship for draft and a nationals yeah because it's kind of it's yeah, kind of weird because you got too. an invite from a draft event, but now you have to put together a constructed yeah, event, exactly. which, which may not, you, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually forecasting anything, but like imagine a world where there's somebody's like this super good drafter, but he's just not great at putting constructed teams. Yeah, together, exactly. You know? And, and I think it, it might be a little bit of a disservice to those draft winners who just aren't as good at pilots and constructed, who aren't as good at putting together those kinds of teams and throwing them into a hyper competitive competition with people who have won WKOs based on whatever team they built. This year, I'm not so concerned about it because they just threw out Modern right mm-hmm. before Nats and Worlds, and you don't know what you're mm-hmm. going to see there. I think it's going to be, there's going to be a pretty big variety. So it yeah. you might be see some interesting constructed teams come out of that. But like where we had last year where it was, you know, the same five cards on every team, that you know, would suck, if, you know. It would be really bad for a draft the, winner to yeah, go and play in that, especially since that the main winning card was in a starter too. Yeah. Like, so what if you only play drafts, <laughs> and you know you don't even own starters, or you just bought the basic actions off somebody? Yeah. Like how how would that kind of yeah. force you to adjust because you haven't seen it that often? I I do I do also agree with Russ on the basic action thing. I really wish that when they do drafts for WKOs, they limit basic actions in some way or another. <laughs> The last two sets or inset or in universe. I think at the minimum they should at least probably limit it to maybe the last, the most current uh, three sets uh, being the starters or like actual, uh, you know, back when we actually had. Yeah, but then you still do run into the issue of certain basic actions are really overpowered Mm -hmm. and they can win entire drafts and you don't even have to think about it. But who who, who knows, especially let's hope that the D&D and the Thor draft packs do very well. And 
who knows? They'll make a WKO specific draft pack. Ooh, that would that, be so that'd be so, like so the only way you could ever so see some of these cards would be in that. That would be so awesome. You like show up to a WKO or you show up to Nats or Worlds and they just have a pack of basic actions and they give it to a pod or whatever, or they give you them and then you have to draft them like normal. And they're just that's the only place that you play those basic actions. Oh, it'd be so good. Yeah, that would be that'd be interesting. Um, I love that this, idea. I really yeah. do hope that we actually do see more of this uh, sort of thing where they start doing more competitive yeah. drafts. And, and we might because at Gen Con, people found listings that there's separate listings for the constructed, uh, I think Golden Age and Modern, along with draft. Yeah. So hopefully they'll mm-hmm. be running multiple things. Unfortunately, I'm traveling way too much or I'd go to Gen Con. <laughs> I know. I, I do go to love Gen competitive so draft, though. That's not. Yeah. Yeah. But I I like constructed yep. where yep. I know what my tools are going yeah. in. So yeah, kind of, exactly. let's get in a little bit over your nitty gritties. What kind of teams were you guys running? Um, I'll, I'll start out because I went in. I'm like, okay, I've done three drafts prior to two or three drafts prior to that, and, and I ran villains all the time. I'm like, I'm gonna try and draft something else. Not gonna run villains. Not gonna run villains. <laughs> Super what happened? owl what man. <laughs> <laughs> Open up my first pod. See a shiny with the red stripe. Super rare of Alman, and his ability is he gives plus one, plus one to villains, mm-hmm. plus two, plus two if he's attacking with the villains. And I'm like, well, going with villains. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I actually start um, played the first time around. I actually played a lot of the uh, Batwoman Uncommon that we we had originally mm-hmm. discussed on the show, but. Eventually, I actually kind of um, fell in love with the uncommon Catwoman, um, and she has a flip. She has a flip card, and she has an ability. She says whenever um, you flip one of your characters while she's active, she gets plus one attack. So I had four flip cards on my on my team. So I was able whenever I played her. I unfortunately only just had the one copy of her, but whenever I played her, I would just make sure I had. It was is really really kind of taxing because you have to think about your flips beforehand but every time that i did it it was at she was at least a six or seven in the field six or seven attack and just swinging in with that you know add a little over crush to it with a proton cannon it was just awesome russ had a had a team that had a bunch of colored dice with energy symbols on them (laughs) yeah so i'm looking at my team right now and i i still going in had a game plan for uh Dr. J and I played a bunch of practice on Friday, just randomly given cards. So I had come and played this uh, engine, basically, for dice with Hush, the common, or uncommon. Is that your team that I'm looking at? It's so good. (laughs) So the two-cost Hush, when when there's a bat character in the field, he gets KO'd, and you pull a dice. And then Rip Hunter, the one that lets you turn... The uncommon. You know, to whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then superhero. And when it plays and it gets going, you have every dice yeah, every cause, turn. Because the, the plan is to get the Rip Hunter out. Get Rip and Hunter. And Hush out too, right? Well, and then you name superhero, and then you get two or three Hushes going, and you get, you're just like oh, churning everything every turn. The funny thing is, I, Russ, did you win a single game? I like, did in my last game. But see, I had... So here's what's frustrating. I had Firefly on top of that. I had Battering. I had Dark Side. I had Parademons, and I had multiple Parademons, and they were the three costs. And I had Dark Side that could take control. Capture. Capture. Yeah. When I sacrificed Parademons, and Mr. Freeze and Talia I felt so good. Super solid. Going into this, I was like, this is pretty close to exactly what I wanted. The one mistake I made in drafting, I think there were two Batwomen that came through, and I I grabbed the wrong one because as soon as <laughs> I was so mad at myself, as soon as I'm going through the die, I'm like, because I had the whole team and I wanted the unblockable bat, the unblockable, uncommon, yeah, because I had a churn, I could make sure she's just she's attacking and through, attacking, yeah. and I grabbed the wrong one, so I had to go with Talia, but. Man, my dice hated yeah. me. You should have gone day. with that common yeah. Batwoman anyway. Oh, yeah. so good. And, and, and what happened was, you know, they, they announced the pairings, and this is great. I, I think we might have scared everybody. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, round, yeah. round one, Russ and Kevin, and you just hear this audible groan from both of them. We're like, oh. <sighs> we, we traveled all this way, and we're just going to play each other again? Are you kidding me? Um, and, and unfortunately what happened, Russ apparently decided to d- take on the, the Kevin train of rolling, where all energies... And I actually had the uncommon Batwoman, 
and she unfortunately would only roll on its level three side, <laughs> which is a five attack. Four times of her going through, that was it. The funny thing is, about half of Russ's team is what the guy who won the whole thing was playing. <laughs> you know, he had the same hush. I think he had Firefly. I think he had Parademons or something. You know, it was very similar to Russ's team. I had a script because I had played so something so similar. I had an exact script, purchase order, everything. So playing Kevin, I didn't <laughs> care what he had over there. I was like, yeah. things are going perfect. Yeah. And then my dice just... Yeah, I was just watching. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I feel so bad. But I'm playing against you. But I feel so bad. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> it was rough. So, so I have to ask you because I think Zach's listening. Rolls or draws? Which one's better? Well, <laughs> honestly, this draws. sounds weird, but draws. I draws. I will always be the advocate. See, of I think I'm going with rolls only, be, <laughs> only based on Rip Hunter, and I think I like the Rip Hunter that allows Fishes you to, to a side. Yep. Yeah. More than I do the draw one. I think the draw one has some some issues with it. Yeah, that Rip Hunter may just become. I'm going to just start making seven character teams. And yeah. <laughs> Rip's just gonna be becoming, that Rip Hunter in this, in this set is becoming one of those really, really solid cards where he doesn't have a bad version. So, yeah. So it was very frustrating first couple matches. And then I played Ruben, and my dice were all of a sudden, my dice were like in love. I rolled everything, and he had a good wall, and he attacked. And I had to block because I was. His uh, characters had, you know, pretty decent stats. And I said, oh, Ruben, you just won the game. <laughs> and he's like, no, you'll re-roll I'm stuff back in. You'll be good. I was like, nope, no, nope. No, they were going good. And then you did that. I and sure enough, I couldn't put too. everything back. In the, I had, I don't even know how many dice and characters, and I think I put two back in the field. Yeah. I had I had this crazy, so like about halfway through, I kind of figured out that whole Catwoman thing and started playing that a little bit more. In the last round, I played against Zach. And he was having just, he was just having a game like you, just couldn't roll anything, only rolling sidekicks. He's able to buy what he needs eventually. He buys a red hood. And I, I attack with the 7-3 Catwoman, and he knock out about four of his sidekicks, and he just has to roll those on, on character faces. He rolls, uh, or he has the red hood next. And he does. He rolls all four of them on sidekick faces to field, and he just beats me in, in the last turn. And I'm like, wow, I, I can't even really be mad because, like, that was just extremely lucky that that it's happened. It's that Zach no, that, Voodoo that, magic. No, that, that, it was. That's yeah. Zach's Voodoo because I played him in the first round of the top eight cut. Turn like three, get all his all his sidekicks fielded. I'm talking about all his sidekicks fielded. Yeah. Red Hood. I, I couldn't stop him. Yeah. Talk, talk about getting punched by the, in the, those <laughs> statistics. Those were just insane. It just oh, I couldn't even handle it. <laughs> Can I talk about my team now? Yeah. yeah uh, my team. Have? My team was fun. It's pretty much the same draft team that I've drafted every time I've drafted this game. And I realized like we played the other night, and I drafted this same team again, and I realized <laughs> what I did wrong. But my team was basically Mr. Miracle, the uncommon. And Big Barda, the common that buffs new gods, gives them a plus two, plus two. Um, and then I had a, a bunch of other, like, villains. I don't even remember what else was on my team. You I pretty had, much you, didn't buy any. You had a Razagul. I had a Razagul for the global. Because that played a big, big yeah. difference in our game. Yeah, so, so basically I brought I brought a Villainous Pact, and then I, br- I had the Razagul with the global. And what I would do is I would get out all these Mr. Miracles and Big Barda, and they when they were buffed, and Mr. Miracle, the uncommon, has an ability where if he gets KO'd, you can send something else to the prep area to bring him back at level three. So basically, all my Mr. Miracles get to level three. They're each five attack. And then I play Villainous Pact. They pick one non-villain character who can't block. And then I remove the villain affiliation from all their other villains. And then I attack, and they can only block one of my characters. And that was how I did so well. The problem with that is, like, I my brain could not math at all the whole day. And so... I made about four mistakes where I attacked thinking I had the win and I didn't. And somehow I got lucky enough to come back and win, you know, the majority of those games. Yeah. And didn't help that I was not making it helpful to you when all my teams were villains. I'm like, I'm just going to buy one of each, make him. It still ended up working. I somehow I got enough masks and question marks to blank all of those. But I'm like, I'm not making this easy for you. You're going to have one of each, so at least eight energy. Yeah, I did did end up trying that that strategy in a different draft um, the other night, and it was it's a lot of fun being able to have all these like five like these five five. uh, small guys that are just attacking all the time and it's yeah. it's a lot of fun and then also <clears throat> excuse me um also the other cool new god i think was the 
Oh, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan. Oh. I love Rare Ryan. Ryan. And I was so upset because I actually played him in a d- another draft the other night, and I bought him twice, and I never was able to play him, actually, <laughs> and it made me really upset. Actually, no, that wasn't Vegas. That wasn't I, I, I was so I get so upset when I draft, and I don't get any O'Ryans because when I get him, he rolls on level three, and then he's a 10-10 with that big Barda buff. He is just so mm-hmm. nasty. And then you attack with a bunch of people, give him overcrush. They block and knock him out, and he comes back at level one. Yeah, so he's still a seven yeah, seven. His common is really good. That comes back when KOs, and it pairs yeah. really well with Firefly. Yeah. So I was expecting to get those pretty late in the draft because we had some in our in our pod. They're like the first I never thing even taken. saw. Them. Yeah. So I, I was I was like, those will come through later. Those are like the six seven cost characters. Nope. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, it, it's kind of interesting to see how that kind of turned out. Where I think we had some really good hands to pass through, and especially mm-hmm. with the set, I, I like these sets where there's multiple win conditions because you can't just grab one. You're probably passing something good to somebody else, no matter what. Yeah. I do I do like that about this set is that there are a lot of clear multiple win, or there are multiple clear win conditions that you can go for. There's a yeah. firefly. You can do your combo. You can do um like. I really think that Catwoman flip is pretty good because all you need is just seven other character or flip cards. And another thing that I like is that a lot of the win conditions are in the rare cards. So if you end up pulling a rare card that you haven't played with before, you might have a completely different draft than you're used to. Like if I had if I had pulled that rare Rip Hunter, I would have taken that and just been like, nuts to all the direct damage. I was gonna say my my number one draft wants with this set now are rare Rip Hunter or rare uh, Batman rare. Harley Quinn, because I believe direct damage, and maybe it's who I've played, but direct damage and not being able to stop like Batwoman have been a major difficulty for me. If I had a little bit of life gain, I think it it would be really nice with Harley Quinn or the ability to take that Batwoman and it would be the first damage. Let her through so that, yeah. Right. And then have Rip Hunter... So I think those two would be really big in a draft. Now, that being said, they're both rares that seem to be pretty difficult for people to get. Like, I haven't seen very many drafted. So, You know what rare is not hard to get? Rare Robin. I swear, every time we've drafted, I've gotten past (laughs) Rare Robin. I was going to say Rare the Riddler. Because I always get that. I'm like, oh, boy, action. No, no, that's not going to work in this draft. I've seen a lot of Rare Hawk for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, It's really weird. This set, and I think it's because they're so spread out and everybody has kind of a different approach. But they're, the teams seem to have a, a large number of dice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody I've played against has had at least one character where they have three die. Yep. Yeah, so, that was one oh, of the other yeah. things that I noticed too is I had a lot of like, well, on my lower costed characters, I had a lot of uh, night wings and I had a lot of. Um, Maybe it's just because we chaos draft so much around here. That we're not <laughs> that used might, to draft all going on. What's going <laughs> on with this? <laughs> There's more than one die. What? So, um, I also think that Alman is a is a very underutilized card in draft. The more I keep looking at him, I him hate him in draft. Him. Yeah, if you had one less blocker one of those turns, I could have swung in from the wind too. Isn't that the way though? Like <laughs> so many of my games, one of the most frustrating games I had was the one that I got knocked out in and I had enough I had I was one mask away from blanking all of uh John was that his name? All of his villain affiliations and swinging in for the win, but I needed one mask or one sidekick. One of those two would have done it. And I rolled like two sidekicks and neither of them came up what I needed. And he didn't even know it. Like I told him after, I was like, I was going to kill you on that particular <laughs> turn. He's like, but I had all these villains, but they weren't going to be villains. <laughs> and it really just like, I was like, oh, it hurts so much. And so, yeah, that happened all the time, though. Like this five of my games, it was more. like, oh, my gosh, I have to win this turn or I am done. Like, they're going to beat me next turn if I can't do it right now. I feel like this draft is also a lot more thought-intensive, you know, because if oh there, there's so many other mechanics that are in, thrown into it. You have Boomerang, you have Flip, and, and you know, you, you like you said, you had problems even with math and stuff like that. It's just... That, and that's what I love about this draft. This draft is just very just. Flip is so new I've never there. had to care so it's much about affiliations in past drafts, and now, mm-hmm. like, affiliations are everything, and I'm like... Oh crap! I've got it on the wrong side. I need to flip it over. I can't win this turn. I got to wait till next turn. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the flip is, and this goes back to why I think the the bat signal is such a good 
action is that ability to flip. Flip it outside. You know, I think so. The flip is weird because you can lose or have the inability to win because you forgot to flip. Mm -hmm. So I have to ask you guys for a WKO, would you guys draft again? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yep. And Dr. J, I'm glad you got the invite because you're actually going to Origin. So that's right. I was like, feel bad if like I'd win. I'm like, but I can't make it. But you, <laughs> so, but you are going. I know I'm going this time, but you know, what if I, you know, one of us got it and then we're like, well, we're staying here. We never yeah. will. We always play with Mike. He always well, comes to our WKOs well, here. So, so, so yeah. and there's, there's always the problem too that I think we self cannibalized. Oh, so much. Because I'm telling you, the whole day I was out there, you got played, into top eight, I played one person from you Vegas. You played Russ, <laughs> then me, then Zach, <laughs> and then some guy from Vegas. No, then I played Adrian. Oh, I, I then, played Adrian. oh that's right. <laughs> so, oh, man, and I played rough. one person from Vegas the whole time. And, like, Adrian, I'm telling you, you seriously almost had, you, you almost had me in our match, too. Like, um, oh, I, I was I sweating bullets. I just got a lucky roll. I was sweating bullets uh, every match, pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Well, I was doing the math because Diego and I, for some reason, every time we lose every, in the first round, we end up playing yeah, each, play each other in those <laughs> So when I lost and then Diego lost the first one, I was like, I'm going to come down here and play Kevin and Diego. And the only thing I cared about was playing some new people. <laughs> I was lucky that I did. Game. I only got to play. I only played Russ and Zach, but I did play three other uh Cats from Vegas. And Kevin was, was nice. the only person that I played from Utah aside from Mike and John. So, and I don't ever play those guys. Like, it was the first <laughs> time I've ever played against Mike. Yeah. yeah. And if you guys ever want to see a nice matches, for some reason, when Dr. J and I play, even when we know it's a casual event, like two turns in, all of a sudden it gets silent and we're like, turns into a chess match. <laughs> it's like life or death. It's like, oh my gosh, you sit there like your third roll and you're staring at your energy. There's only four energy there. You're like, what do I do? What do I do? I got to outsmart this cat. Yeah. <laughs> I did feel bad because after my second match, the loss, uh, the guy I was playing was like, good match. And I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> he played well, but Russ my dice hit me. And I <laughs> took a walk, came back, and everything was good. Yep. By the time I'd lost the third one, me and uh, I think his name was Chris. He was having the same kind of day I was. Our game was so That's, fun. That we seemed were like a totally fun match. I was, I, I was actually jealous. Relaxed. We went. Totally different avenues with our game. Yeah. And you guys almost like Dark Avenger yourself. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> both of you could feel it. Was it was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah. all right. So, that's kind of our re- recap at WKL. Um, again, thanks to Maximum Comics for hosting an awesome event. And, you know, hopefully we can make it down for more events. Or if hopefully you guys we can make it. it down for more packs. When I visit my friend in Vegas. I'll be going there often. <laughs> All right. Um, and if you guys played in a WKO recently, we want to hear from you. We want to hear about your experiences. Especially, Especially you, how the draft yeah, WKOs yeah, went. Yeah. How, how'd your draft go? You can do that. Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Um, and it was fun to spend almost a day's worth of time in a car with all you guys. Or maybe not. I don't know. I mean... The ride down was okay. And that's it for this episode of the Double Burst Podcast. We would love to hear from you guys. Have you used Black Canary Sonic Cry before? Or how did you do at your local WKO draft? Let us know. Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Of course, check out doubleburst.com for past episodes, links to subscribe to the show so you can automatically get it when it comes out, and some past articles and stuff that we have. We've gotten a lot of questions about Dying Die recently, and we have a cool tutorial that's written up there that you can check out big thanks to game haven sandy for giving us a place to record if you guys live in utah check them out if not check them out online at yourgamehaven.com. of course big thanks to all of you who listen we appreciate it and until next time my friends may your dice rolls be ever in your favor